This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of creator success at Workweek. Let's go. So what happens when people or companies focus solely on the product, but not on actually building the brand? Look, look, you could have a great business. I usually like to come down to it and I get the end result. Let's talk about it in terms of multiple you get when you sell your brand. Because guess what? You don't need to, if you have a great product and you just want to like make a cash flowing thing, great. You're going to, you can do just fine. There's plenty of people that'll be like, I don't have on brand. I still do great. Yeah, you probably do. That's fine. But when it comes down to someone wants to buy your business at the end of the day, in you know, four or five years from, you know, wherever you are and you go to, okay, am I going to get a 6X EBITDA multiple? on that? Or am I going to get a 1.5x revenue multiple on that? And the difference that gets you there is brand. When people can buy something intangible greater than where they are at, that has a goodwill that goes forward, that is going to mean something in the market or mean something to an acquirer is the key difference in brand. And we are back. The Leaders Lens podcast. With my good friend from Twitter, Mr. Oren John, the internet's marketing director, entrepreneur, product and brand advisor for B2C brands, creator, featured in Vice, Mashable, a lot more names, I'm sure, have been added to that sense. You've just been absolutely crushing it, crushing it on social. I think sometimes people think you are a full-time content creator, but they don't realize how much other work you're doing. I appreciate making time for this podcast, man. It's incredible. Awesome. Yeah, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, not a full-time creator. I do put out a lot of content. And yeah, look, I'm stoked to talk leadership and brand and uh, get down with my boy. We just met in person a couple weeks ago at VidCon. You were signing 10 by 12 glossies for the leadership fans. <laughs> Yeah, he had headshots. Jacob had headshots. He was just willy-nilly passing out. People come yeah. up to him and be like, hey, that magic quadrant you did about leadership really resonated with me. <laughs> I was like, damn. Yeah, yeah. No, none of this happened at all, but I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, my Twitter following wasn't at VidCon for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah TwitCon does have the same rank here. But I've been up in this quarter, I've been focused on brand and helping leaders build their brand in the newsletter. And I was like, man, I got to have Orin on to talk about brand. Nobody knows it better than him. So let's just start high level. What is a brand? What does that even mean? Um, yes, yeah, so a brand. I mean, the snarky answer uh, I think a, a lot of people may have heard is brand is what people say about your company when you're not in the room, right? What do people know about and think about and feel about you or your company? And I think that combination of know, think, and feel is really important because if people have to know about your history or know about the things that go on, that adds to that perception. If, if they think about it, they have some sort of opinion. That's good. If they don't think about it at all, you probably don't really have much of a brand. And then how do they feel about it is kind of like that long-term, like uh, where you, it, it will go in ebbs and flows. Like Pepsi might be a popular brand now, or you know, Bud Light would be a great example of like people thought it was great for a long period of time and consumer sentiment shifts. And, and so brands can have an arc. They have their own story. They're kind of like a living, breathing thing that uh, you need to be considering at all times as far as the health of your business or of your kind of personal brand. So something I'm thinking about immediately is just the fact that like you need people to know who you are if you're going to get opportunities for yourself. And I think a lot of times when people have just not just a job, but have a job and they're focused on a career, there's this balance of like, do I want to rock the boat or do I just want to stay in a comfortable position where like I'm not going to get fired, but also good things aren't going to happen potentially either if people don't know who you are. Yeah. And I look, this is a really interesting one. I've actually been having some kind of fascinating conversations around this recently because look, it is complicated. I know people that have been fired for their personal brand. I have a complicated relationship with my core projects and my personal brand. And it's almost gone the opposite. It's, at some point, it's we're like, oh, you're spending time on something that isn't work or, oh, you're thinking you're bigger than your britches or people know you and they don't know the person that's higher up in you in a company. Now to the point where people are like, 
why aren't you posting about us every day? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. they know you have a certain amount of reach. But what was interesting to me is I was talking to a major brand who is looking at hiring creators in like large scale positions, like director to SVP level positions. And they're basically saying they're putting together comp packages that are like not quite athlete level comp packages, but basically this idea that like, hey, we're going to bring creators in. We want people in these positions. We'd rather have a product director or an HR leader or whatever that has a massive personal brand that can help evangelize our company and bring them on the team. And we're going to pay them more than any other executive because we're basically getting a big influencer and we're getting a creator at the same time. And when I started to hear that conversation happening at a level of like a Fortune 500 company, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to change radically. The, the, the idea of personal brand, what you have for personal brand, followings, things like that, especially at an executive level, less at a kind of employee level, less you're in creative industry, it's going to shift the compensation. It's going to shift the dynamics inside companies significantly. I don't think anyone's quite prepared for that. That's going to be fascinating to see that. And I think for you, it has to be especially appealing because you're somebody that actually has the skills to do this job. And if you have the brand equity on the other side of it, where they're trying to hire, it sounds like trying to hire creators with little to no experience in this specific role. Well, yeah. And this, I think they're looking at like, okay, say there's a lot of people out there, right? Where like, and I see that position too, where once you get a million, two million followers, or you get a couple hundred K in your niche, you don't have to go work at a job, right? You don't have to have, like, that's kind of part of the goal of this, right? Is that, yeah. hey, I'm either promoting my business or I'm going to get myself to the point where I can control my own destiny. So then if a company really wants your skill set and they want your promotional ability, they're going to have to pay extra for it. And I think that's now started to resonate that that's a thing that's happening is like, is we're going to put people in a position that's like almost multifaceted and we're going to get access to their reach and their audience and their ability to create and control and their network in that same way. Very similar to how, you know, to create a director of a fashion house used to be, but it's going to be happening in like, modern companies because there's influencers in every industry from oil and gas to HR to more creative things. Yes. HR influencers, shout out Heba here on the Workweek team, absolutely crushing it with her newsletter. I hate it here. But when you think about brand, I feel like a trap a lot of people fall into as they're developing careers is they focus a lot on the work. Like they want to do really good work, their heads down, getting the work done, but they don't think of some of the other elements that will help make sure that their face or their name is brought up in rooms where they aren't. So what happens when people or companies focus solely on the product, but not on actually building the brand. Look, you can have a great business. I usually like to come down to it and I guess the end result. Let's talk about it in terms of multiple you get when you sell your brand. Because guess what? You don't need to, if you have a great product and you just want to like make your cash flowing thing, great. You're going to, you can do just fine. There's plenty of people that'll be like, I don't have sales on brand. I still do great. Yeah, you probably do. That's fine. But when it comes down to someone wants to buy your business at the end of the day, in you know, four or five years from you know wherever you are, and you go to, okay, am I going to get a 6X EBITDA multiple? on that? Or am I going to get a 1.5x revenue multiple on that? And the difference that gets you there is brand. When people can buy something intangible greater than where they are at, that has a goodwill that goes forward, that is going to mean something in the market or mean something to an acquirer is the key difference in brand. And then the other more tactical way to look at that too is, okay, if you have a business, we have a great product, you're selling it, you have your funnel, you have your costs associated with it. If you just turn that off and it would people still buy? Would it still resonate? If you weren't doing any of that, could you still have some functioning business? And if you have a brand, which is greater than just the sum of your advertising, or that people are caring so much about the product and the story that they're then promoting it, you could probably weather bad times a lot better. I think those are the two main concepts I think resonate the most, with the number one being the acquisition, right? Or the IPO, like your valuation is going to be based on what people think about you, not just the economics, as much as we'd like to think that that would be the case. So the brand really amplifies the product. Is that a way to 100%. Amplifies the product and makes everything easier. It's like, I like to look at like people with a great brand will suddenly have like, oh, you know, you have an 8% less cost of customer acquisition than the next person selling the same exact thing. And like, okay, what does that mean over the course of four years, right? It's It adds up. 
Uh, and so it's all these little incremental things that just make your life significantly easier, easier to recruit, easier to get your customer acquisition, easier to get a higher multiple when you sell, easier to build resonance with people to get them into recurring purchases. All that comes back to brand. I love it. And if I think of myself as a person building a career, think about how this is going to help you move up the ladder quicker because you're not going to have to defend yourself and fight your case. People are already going to understand your value and what you bring to the table when you've taken the time to build that brand for yourself. Yeah. And so for a personal brand, I completely agree. And I think it's really important because people in a work environment, you're often not given a chance to show the things that you know or the ideas that you have, except in very controlled and specific environments to specific people. But with the internet, that goes as wide as you can be. And you'll be surprised at the reach of that. And then people can start to see, oh, this person knows a ton about this thing or that thing. You know, and I think like a great example, I, know, I post a lot of content about brand and about product, right? And most people work with me in one of those two capacities. It's rare that those worlds overlap. And they would, a lot of people wouldn't know that there's depth in both of those without that content being out there. Uh, and I think that for anyone who is trying to basically showcase in their career, not only do I know more than what you're seeing from me in work every day, and I can get put in those positions, but also I know how to make that content move on the internet. It's like, I liken it to uh, maybe a couple years ago, people needed help making a PDF. Like older executives would be like, how do I make a PDF file? I can only do this Word doc. Now it's like, you can make content move on the internet. We all know, because we do it, that it's there's a formula to it and that you can make it work, but most people don't. And that combination where you go, not only is this person a good worker, but they understand this new environment we're operating in. Like that's a path to getting a better work trajectory. I have a friend. He has a complete dissertation. Going through school, he has a complete dissertation on working with people with autism. And he's like, I have to wait until I get my master's before I can start talking about this. I'm like, dude, you know more than 99.9% .9 of the people in the world, like at least about this topic. I just start talking about this on the internet and doors will start opening for you because people are really interested in this. They need help in this specific area. Yeah. And what I like about specifics, people always put personal brand, they try to put it in context of influence, right? It's like, oh, if I don't have 50,000 followers on LinkedIn, I don't have a personal brand. And I think that's ridiculous. Like I know people that are crushing it in their businesses and in their lives with 2,000, 5,000 followers because it's the right people. And so the biggest thing I want people to wrap their head around is your personal brand can be tight and you don't have a huge following, right? And it, it can be helpful for you in your career because all that matters is reaching the people that your content you're making matters to. So like, I love the masters in, in studying what's happening around autism because that's a perfect example where, look, there is a huge community for that worldwide, but for the people that that person wants to reach, algorithms are good at putting the right content in front of the right people. That's what Instagram and TikTok and YouTube have mastered to some extent. And if you get 750 people that really care about that message, because and you posted, so you posted 750 videos, and you got 750 people following, you'd be like, man, that's not that many. If they're all in that space, for that person trying to then understand what are they going to do with their career or how they're going to bring better ideas or more of a conversation into what they're building, that problem is solved with just that amount of people. So let's take a step back now and think about the foundation of creating a personal brand or a brand in general. What are some of the questions that people should be asking themselves as they start thinking through this space? Yeah. So I look at it like personal brand and a creating a real brand are almost exactly the same, right? You want to go through the same process. And I think the number one thing that people need to start with is what do you want people to think when they see you or see your brand? And I think, how can you distill that into one to three bullet points? To give an example of my own, like my main goals are I want people to be like, wow, that person is tapped into the culture and the things that are happening around us. That's an important thing for me, which is not a normal thing for most people, but it's important for how I navigate the world. So I want people to be like, that guy knows what's happening. Like that's an interesting key point for me. And the second is I want people to know I have a super deep expertise in branding. That's the number two. And the third one I'm working on is I want people to understand that I know how to tactically execute inside these things. And I'm working on content specifically around that. And so when people come to my page, they're going to be like, that person's tapped in. 
They have a super deep knowledge in this particular space. And oh, they actually can do work in it. They're not just talking about it. Like that's the three goals I have for my content. And I think for anyone who's building a personal brand, what are your goals? And so say, let's put it in terms of a, I know what I, the area I work in is like more glamorous. And so sometimes people are like, oh, well, what I do isn't as interesting. So say you are a CPA and you're trying to build your personal brand. And it could really be like, hey, I specialize in this field. I'm a CPA that knows a ton about startups at a certain stage. And then number B is, hey, I'm available for work. Something that all people don't consider. You notice I didn't say that inside my statement because I'm not trying to generate work from this. Some people are. You say, hey, and I'm available for freelance clients for this type of business. And the third is maybe it's something like, uh, and I'm based in the Pacific Northwest because that's where I expect my client base to go from. That's the three things you want those people to know. That's the foundations of the brand. And take that one level deeper is what are the things that people are going to get excited about that? How do I storytell or create a narrative around that? And so an exercise I do with a bunch of my clients and people I work with is map it out like a TV show. Who are the characters involved in your personal brand? Like, And think of everything like the company you work for is a character. The people you're going to interact with online are characters. There might be a conceptual enemy. Like, hey, my, my real enemy is people that use this one tax break or whatever it is, or people that are leaning into this wrong idea. And I'm going to create something around that. And then what's the storyline? What are the events I'm able to promote and showcase? Oh, I got a promotion here. I'm launching this product in X, or I'm launching this service in Y, or there's a major trade show in my niche that I need to make sure I'm creating content around. And you kind of map out this idea of the characters and the events, and then you have a story. And then all of a sudden your brand has legs and it has a, a something you can map out over 18 months or 24 months of how do you create around it? Because that's the hardest part, right? If you don't have an outline, you don't have a structure, what are you going to do to kind of bring any like a history or an emphasis to your brand? And then now just with that exercise, you have the beginning of that structure. One piece I want to emphasize are the things that you want people to know about you and like having these like fundamental pillars. And even if you're not posting on social media, these might be exercises you do. So when you have an opportunity to be in front of people that make hiring decisions in your company, you make it a point to bring these up and you're prepared. You're not just winging it on the spot, but you have data points, you have stories that are prepared to help people understand the value that you bring and help people know these things about you that you want them to know. So just a powerful exercise for anybody that's trying to move up in different organizations in, by creating awareness of themselves. And I think, well, what other stumbling blocks do you see when people are trying to come up with personal brands and you have this conversation a lot? What are the hardest things you feel people would deal with? I think a lot of times it's people are like, I shouldn't have to do this. People should just recognize the value. People should like pluck me from the crowd because I'm so special. And People are talented. Everybody has strengths, but you really have to be intentional on how you communicate those strengths and make sure people understand the value that you bring. Yeah, that, that's funny. I um, A lot of my following and people I deal with are designers right, and creatives and specifically design, creative directors, graphic designers, industrial designers, that kind of thing. And they're always like, I'm always like, hey, your portfolio is your social media. It's something I was pushing for a while. I'm about to actually do another push on this. And they're like, but I already have a portfolio. I'm like, why is that? Was it? I'm like, you know, why do I need to do all this stuff? I already have this body of work. And I'm like, yeah, well, if no one knows about it, that it doesn't fucking matter. You can have the most gorgeous thing ever. When someone asks you can present it, no one's hunting it down. Everyone who's trying to hire you or might want to do the work you're doing is sitting there being like, how do I find these people? And if they can't find it, maybe they're Googling, but you know what happens if they're looking for it? The algorithms bring it to you. If you're searching that stuff or if you're looking at content related to it, the algorithm shows you more of it. So if you want that beautiful portfolio in front of people, it has to be engaged in social. And to that same point we went back to, if you know how to make things move on social media, you are a more valuable person to almost anything as a designer, as a recruiter, as almost any role. There's plenty that may, maybe not, but like just that extra understanding. I mean, even in the CPA example, I like my current accountant is super savvy on the internet and understands the things, the unique things that I have to deal with as an influencer to, in terms of like my economics. 
And that is a huge benefit, right? And so I think that knowing that you have that skill set and unlocking that skill set is something that allows you to charge more for the work that you do and gives you the comfortability that whenever you do these projects, you can help make them succeed. And another, I think, unspoken value of creating content is just getting practice communicating and understanding how to communicate with people, keep people's attention, tell a story that's engaging. You just get so much practice. And going through the process of creating, just there's clarity and thought as well, where you understand the topic better. Because like for me, I can just get on a stage and talk about leadership probably for two hours because I've been fucking writing about it for three years. I just like think about it all the time. And I think that there's that added element that doesn't always get talked about. You'll laugh at this. I actually have thought about this a lot because I feel like being a creator has really helped my public speaking. It helped. And I used to do this thing at the companies I was at called the nine at nine, where I was the president of the company I was at formerly. And I would go address the entire team for nine minutes at, at 9 a.m. And we'd talk through the metrics and things like that. And that was helping me become a better speaker. But then I started to notice as a creator, it was getting even better. And now when I'm doing pitches, I'm actually using a, like the TikTok format that I really like. And where it's like, cool, hook, immediate payoff, explanation, back to the payoff, let's take it up a notch. Like that's the winning hook, right? For anything on TikTok. And so now if I'm going and pitching an idea and it, you know, it's going to be like, what if, da, 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 you know, like, <laughs> you, and, and to be able to do that or have that format or think through that anytime I'm about to do like a meeting, like I'm doing a presentation to Walmart or whatever it is, it's just, it fucking works. And then you have that framework and you're like, oh, this is just a strategy. And then, uh, and then everyone's attention, the reason social media is so good is it's captivated attention. That's the same thing that happens in the real world. And when you get your chance to talk in a meeting or in a presentation, having that skill set and then having that structure is like, it's invaluable. Are you finding that it's a lot easier to pitch people also because people now know who you are? Like, oh yeah, that's, it's like comically funny. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I now know if I go in a room and there's like six marketing people in a room, I'm like, all right, I got one of them. Yeah. I already know. Like hundred <laughs> percent there's someone, and this is in any room and that, and then someone's gonna be like, oh shit, that's the dude. And then like it changes the whole dynamic. It's hilarious. And also now the funny part too, is like people get afraid. That's the other thing is I know like, cause it's true. Like I have a particular type of following and have a particular resonance in a certain zeitgeist. But like, if I want to shut a brand down real quick or like make something not cool, if I was really spiteful, I probably could. That's not the kind of energy I'm trying to bring into the world, but people recognize that. And they also know like, all right, well, I certainly don't want that just to go bad, right? And that's an interesting, I'm still grappling with the concept behind that, but it is very interesting. When you started building your brand, did you have, like, did you struggle with imposter syndrome? What were the mental obstacles you had to work through if you started just like putting the camera in front of your face and talking about stuff? I've been putting video on the internet for a really long time, far longer than this. We did a lot of video on LinkedIn with my agency seven years ago. We have a contract engineering agency. And the main partner there, myself, he did a ton of video. He's really good at it. And then I did like slightly less, but like was still kind of in the process. And so we've been doing this, right? And so I I was over the embarrassment factor. I've never had the imposter syndrome factor because like, as you can tell from my content or talking to me, like I go really deep into things. I research them. I'm living it. I don't have that same worry. There's people that know more than me. I'm happy to be humble about it. But I've jumped the hump in my career where if it was 10 years ago, I probably would have imposter syndrome. But look, I'm 38. I've been the president of a public company. I've been VPs, SVP positions, C positions across a whole number of orgs. Like I know what I'm talking about, so I'm not worried about it. So I think the main hurdle with me was just like, how do I find the audience I want? How do I have fun without going too far? That's always been the issue. Like I have a lot of fun videos out there that like probably aren't super professional. And that's what I try to personally balance is like those eyeballs getting the right people, trying to have that right cultivation versus like, I know I could just lean into like being funny and like have that kind of go weird. And look, it's a complicated dynamic, especially in today's internet. I want to dive into the the TikTok structure that you kind of laid out because you went through it really quick. And so can I break down that structure again and maybe talk a little bit about why it works so well? And a lot of this is taken from, there's a video out there. It's like a 10 minute video of Mr. Beast. 
explaining why Mr. Beast content works. I've stolen a lot from that. But hook is the first thing. A lot of people will make content and they don't have a hook. A hook is in the first three seconds, why does someone want to know to watch it? It should be your title and what you talk about. And I think in the most simplest way we could look at it is like, hammer smashes watermelon. You're like, okay, well, shit. I'm gonna, I want to watch that. All right, like I want to see the watermelon break. That, that's your hook. And that can be whatever it is. And then you want to pay it off, right? Because people will, if they're told to wait too long and they don't think it's going to happen, they're not going to keep watching. So I like to kind of immediately be like, cool, we hit the watermelon in some way or we showed this big watermelon, this big hammer. So you know it's going to happen. And then you go into an explanation or you provide your value or whatever it is. We're doing this. Here's how centrifugal force works, blah, 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 blah. Because say you're not just doing this just to show it off. You're doing it to prove something about you're a physics expert, whatever it is. And then you do your actual payoff, like some great shot. We're like, wow, they broke that watermelon. It was amazing. And then the thing Mr. Beast does that I love, that I love to add on to that is like, all right, now that I've given you this value, now that I've said, you know, here's your key marketing technique, or here's how you save X in your 401k or whatever it is. Now give them something extra. You would be like, oh shit, let's go above and beyond. Because that's the moment where it becomes shareable, right? And this is the thing where it's like, cool, I broke this big watermelon. Oh, now I'm the guy, I get to see it in slow motion on a phantom cam. And like, all right, they took it even up a notch. Another good example was a friend of mine was doing a prank video the other day. And it was like, they were using a gel blaster to shoot a water balloon. Right. And they're like, okay, we're gonna shoot water balloons. I'm like, all right, now if you want to take it up a notch at the end of it, it's a hundred water balloons, right? And the person's gonna get soaked. Right. How do you have that other moment where you just take it, you're like, oh shit, I didn't expect it to go here. And I think that's a critical thing a lot of people miss. They'll make really good content, they'll do those first things, you can still be successful. But if you go from okay, value to immense value or entertainment to immense entertainment, just in really fast at the end of something, it becomes rewatch and share. And I think that's just a critical thing to think through. And I've just really started getting my head around this the last month or two. I want people to think about this in interviews and meetings, but like, how do you take this same framework when you're working with your team, when you have a meeting with your boss or an executive in the company, like, how do you take the same communication framework? Because this captures attention. This is not exclusive to TikTok or Instagram or YouTube. Like this is just a framework to capture attention, which is why it works on the platforms. Yeah, it's just making people listen to your explanation in the middle. Like that's the real goal, right? Because like in this middle section, you're gonna establish your expertise, put in your value, but you have to wrap it in a nice bow to make sure that people are entertained because life is entertaining now and it takes a lot to drag people out of that. And that's in work as much as it is online. So I want to recap and touch on the starting point. So people that are just starting to think about like, how do I establish my personal brand at my work or online? And you've touched on it throughout this conversation, but if we had to just give them the framework of like, do these things to get started and you'll be, you'll set yourself up for success. What are those pieces? So, hey, write down those three things you want people to know about you. And then I would uh, find other people that make video in your niche. And there is somebody. And just write down a big list of the topics that they've done that have been successful and brainstorm a huge topic list. I'd write down 50 videos. They don't have to be good. I think perfect is the enemy of good, whatever the right thing is, or I've done. Like, just get things down there. And then I think the key thing is what people, what I love about TikTok is that no one's going to see your TikTok that you know. If you just start a random TikTok account, it's just going to go out there into the void. TikTok is a great practice format. I made probably 60 TikToks where I even, even noticed I was making TikToks. They were all terrible. They all didn't go anywhere. But then like 30 TikToks later, they started to get good. And I said, go take that topic list and just try making things and yeah, and like put it out there. TikTok's a great network for it. Once you kind of know what you're doing, once some of those have done any level of good, then you can say, all right, here's the second stage. I'm going to professionalize my presence. I'm going to go on Twitter. I'm going to go on Instagram. But like, don't be afraid to try it. And, uh, and TikTok's the perfect network for that. But it's really, yeah, set those points make a big list, especially based on other people's content that's successful and how you could do it. And then just do it and make it. And I think it doesn't have to be more complicated than that to start. Take a chance, you know, get started. You're not going to, you won't be perfect before you get started. Like there's going to be the progress. You're going to have to step outside of that comfort zone and just get comfortable talking about yourself 
And I think another advantage is just like Instagram, TikTok, social media, it's a great practice to get comfortable talking about yourself because a lot of people struggle in interviews because they feel like it's inappropriate to like brag about the things that they've done. Like just get comfortable. Like it's a great way to get, get comfortable talking about yourself as well. You know, it's funny. And I, I spend a lot of time with Gen Z people um, just by nature of work and things. And there's a difference in Gen Z between millennials and Gen X where they are less afraid to sing their laurels for better or for worse. And I've noticed that where there's, and especially online too, they'll be like, they'll call, hey, look, I did this thing. Oh, hey, this is the thing that I said and it came true. Or this is, look at me, look what I got. And I don't think people look at that, like maybe some people look at it negatively, but most of the time I see things like that and I go, good for you. You know, fuck it. <laughs> like, like yeah. I, I'm proud of you. Like, you know, like, like great. And I think that most people need to realize that like, while there are malicious and negative people out there, the vast majority of people are positive and supportive. And don't think about the malicious negative people. Think about how many people are going to be like, you know what? Good for that person who never would have known prior because so much information is coming at us. No one's going to hunt down that award you won or that promotion you got or this skill set that you have. No one is going to find out unless you tell them. And you shouldn't feel bad about that, right? As long as everything you do isn't egocentric, then you'll be all right sharing your wins. And if you're building a career and you're building a business, the malicious people aren't the people that are going to be able to help you anyways. Like they're the people that are like wishing they got started or they have their own things they're working through. But the people that are, that you need to help you are the ones that are going to be supportive and like recognize the effort that you're putting in. 100%. Awesome. Orange John, you're the man. I know your time is valuable. So thanks so much for, for taking some time to be on the Leaders Lens podcast. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, stoked. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend.